This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 Nation or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by TeePublic.com for the t-shirt lovers and the t-shirt designers who like to have fun, laugh, look good, feel comfortable, get good jobs, get sweaty dancing, and go home with someone who also does those things. And we love tpublic.com so much that we created our own store with all of our fun t-shirts and everything on tpublic, including the BGN Radio Store, right now is on sale. $14 for all of the t-shirts that we have on there. Just go to bgnradio.com, click on the store, and everything is there for you. Also, 15 to 25% off right now of all the accessories, mugs, stickers, phone cases, onesies, and a lot more. Just head to tpublic.com or, again, to bgnradio.com and click on the store. 94 WIP FM HD 1 Philadelphia. From the Tasty Cake Studios, this is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. It is a Saturday afternoon. It's Memorial Day weekend. The beers and the bourbon better be flowing. That's all I got to say. It is John Barchard and Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton. And joining us this afternoon from EaglesWire.com, Mr. Teron Davenport as well. Gentlemen, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well, man. It's a holiday weekend, so definitely excited about that. And uh, hey, talking shop too. Can't beat it. John, I love the What's Going On t-shirts that have oh, added yes. to the BGN Radio Store. My oh, dad nice. is a big fan. Oh, he is loves he? Them. Yeah. Chimed in already. So, yeah, yeah. There's a, you can head to bgnradio.com. We actually have a, a sale going on for Memorial Day weekend up until Sunday. A lot of, a lot of great uh, Philly-related t-shirts uh, going on there. So, yeah, why not, why not wear the What's Going On now? They can uh, yell it and do all that stuff. Well, we're going to get into OTAs and, uh, and a bunch of other things, but uh, the reason why... Tehran is here is uh, if we can have a moment of silence, I believe, I believe James Zeltzer is, uh, is dead. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just, uh, How'd the, that happen? the trolley, if we could just have a, a, a moment of, uh, of, of quick silence there, uh, Titus, just for, just for a moment there. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Uh, <clears throat> it was, uh, it was a valiant effort, uh, but uh, James Zeltzer went up against some trolley tracks and unfortunately 
Uh, he didn't make it out uh, alive. The trolley tracks ate him. Uh, he jumped off of his bike. He skidded, bumped, and bruised, and therefore he's no longer with us. No, I'm just kidding. He's uh, he's not here today because I mean I don't know how you get stuck in trolley tracks, but he somehow did. And uh, you know the bike accident got him. So that's 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 where he's at today. There, BLJ James is a really good guy. I'm going to miss him. <laughs> he's, he's, there we go. Be back again. But gentlemen, all three of us were down at OTAs this week. Uh, and uh, we would love to hear uh, everybody else's thoughts on just how everything is is coming about here. 888-729-9494. All three of us. And I don't know what's in the water down there. I don't, we could just be blind bats here. We could just have not been, uh, you know, eating lunch or something that's going on. But definitely, all three of us saw Nelson Aguilar look <gasps> very, very impressive. <laughs> and I know, listen, it's just I'm never going to try and sell you. On Nelson Aguilar is going to turn around and just be this sure amazing wide are. receiver. Stop it! Uh, all I'm going to say is it's going to be a 1500 yard, 10 touchdown season yeah. for him. That's all I'm basically saying. Uh, I think that he, I don't know what it is. It's are, are we buying into the Mike Grow is changing the the shape of the wide receiving core here to run? Well, I think Mike Grow has a lot to do with it. But in talking to Nelson, he he trained differently and his mindset's a lot different. So I think that's really. What you're seeing, just a, a guy who's more at peace. I mean, there's never been a doubt about the ability that he brings to the table. It's just the mindset. And obviously there's issues catching the football. But, I mean, in one day of seeing him, I don't know about you, Brandon, but it looked like he caught the football very well and was very relaxed doing so. The thing with me and Nelson Aguilar having a good practice, as I said on the podcast this week, is I've watched every single practice he's ever had, and I've just never seen that. So that's why it was so surprising to me, like, uh, some people, it's kind of funny because we posted those articles about, hey, Nelson Aguilar had a good practice or even the tweets. And people are like, oh, he does that all the time. Like, no, he does not do that all the time. He's right. like never done that. So that's why it was so surprising to me. I just think it's, you know, this is Aguilar's last year in Philadelphia. If he doesn't show anything this season, um, this he needed to get off to a strong start and he did it. And I think that's a good sign. I'm not saying all of a sudden he's going to be even a starter on this team. You know, he could be number four wide receiver. He could be number five. I still think he could be, there's a chance he could be inactive on game day, especially if he's not really contributing on special teams. So long way to go, but a good start. Yeah, Teron, is this kind of part of the the three-year rule that we're always kind of the standard thing that we were used to before Amari Cooper got here, before Mike Evans got here, before all those all those amazing wide receivers, you know, OBJ, all those all those talented guys came out in two different classes. We were all kind of blown away by them, although we don't talk about Sammy Watkins. It's kind of interesting how that happens there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, most of the time, and we saw it with guys like Jeremy Macklin. We saw it with guys like Deshaun Jackson. They were good initially, so that's the that's the difference here. But you, you had written something this week saying, like, well, it wasn't always the case with a lot of these different wide receivers in the NFL before those classes came through here. Well, yeah, and first and foremost, for the people who, who have a, a, a dense mind that, that aren't able to take things in, in context for what they are, I am not saying that Nelson Aguilar this year is going to be Jordy Nelson or Demarius Thomas. Better so not be. Stop with that <laughs> foolishness, all right? What I am saying is when you look at guys like them, when you look at guys like Devontae Adams, when you look at guys that took a little bit to catch on and really get a firm grasp of the game and, and show their ability – that's that's what you have in, in Nelson Aguilar. Clearly, he's now whether or not it happens this year remains to be seen. But it's just foolish to to write him off. So when you look at just the way things are nowadays and everything, this is a microwave society. Everything is about I want it now. I don't want to wait for it. I want it now. Instant gratification, instant results. But the fact of the matter is, playing wide receiver in a West Coast offense is not the easiest thing it's hard. to do, right? Because you're 
lining up and, and you're looking at the coverage and you have to know that you have to convert a route to this and, and with depending on this coverage. And those are all things that you think about and that will make you play slower. And then in addition to that, you lose track of the most important thing, which is catching the football. Nelson struggles to do that. Big so time. Concentration you know, drops and stuff Concentration, like but it's just, uh, and that's all part of the whole mindset part that, that I've been talking about. And I think with this positive mindset that he has, I think that he, he could definitely show some signs of why he was selected in the first round. And I, I think that this could be a, a, a solid year for him. And look, we're not in Green Bay, so we don't see Devontae Adams for the last couple of years. We hear about him. We do all that. I mean, if you talk to any Packers fan from last year, or if you just, even if you just caught a couple of games, you would look at Devontae Adams and go, that guy sucks. That guy's never going to be an NFL wide receiver. And then all of a sudden, very useful. <laughs> very useful all around. So there is still... At least for the first week of OTs, there's a lot of bit of, of optimism with that. Now that being said, we're going to put the they're going to put the pads on. Then all of a sudden, it'll go to crap, right? I mean, mm. because <laughs> that's just how the cycle works here. We want to be excited about something, but again, and just like you're saying, Teron, if he ends up being a 600 yard guy, 700 yard guy, somewhere around there, that is immensely useful. That allows you to you know pump the brakes on Gibson and have him grow in there, or Hollins, or as Jack Fritz, our good uh, our good friend there, pointed out in an article yesterday on BGNRadio.com, saves you money on Jordan Matthews, and it gives you flexibility and optionality to do that too. You know, so there's a lot of different things that are happening there. Let's go to Bill in Abington, 888-729-9494. Bill, what's going on, buddy? Hey, I had a question about how Nick Foles is looking and what is, what's going on with the backup quarterback <laughs> position in general. Bill, let me tell you, Nick Foles has not changed one bit since moving himself to L.A. and then to Kansas City. The uh, the first, I think the first ball that he threw at OTAs was a swing pass that landed at somebody's feet. So it's it's pretty, oh. yeah. Oh, and, uh, and also uh, a 50-mile-an-hour fastball five yards in front of him to Zach Ertz that also hit his feet. So it's, it's pretty much the same there, Bill. Oh, man. Well, at least at least we got rid of that short guy who uh, who was taking up too much money. <laughs> Chased <laughs> in, uh, yeah. yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah, there's a, that's a, so much difference going in between there. But yeah, are you are you really? Uh, I, see, that's what I don't understand about this bill, and I know it's really silly, but hey, it's May. Uh, I, I didn't understand right. why they didn't, you know, develop get a developmental quarterback uh, to stick around here and not sign Matt McGloin to at least maybe push Nick Foles a little bit. I mean, his contract is pretty much settled in there, but I would have liked to seen somebody new. You know? Yeah, I'd have liked to seen somebody new in this. I, I think, uh, you know, Nick Foles had that huge first year, just like, I'm sorry, uh, you know, uh, the, the second year of, of Foles could be could be just like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm confused about that quarterback position in, this, in, the, in the backup. And I think the backup is extremely important in the NFL. Absolutely, Bill. We appreciate the phone call there, buddy. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's – I mean, Foles is going to be able to get in there and maybe win a game or two or at least – Hopefully, well, I, I was going to say he won't lose it for you, BLG, but we all know he could definitely lose games. I think you look at how he played with the Chiefs last year; it was actually pretty good. You know, he yeah. looked pretty good with the Chiefs, and uh, you know, getting back into a situation where he wasn't with the Rams, which you know, Foles was bad with the Rams, partly because Foles is not great, but also you know, the Rams are just an entire mess there. So, um, I feel okay with him, you know, as a backup. I think you know, if he comes in, let's say he has to play like four games, you know, a quarter of the season. I think you can at least win two of those, you know, I think, and that's like that's all you're asking for. You're not asking him to go on this big run. You're just kind of asking him to keep the season afloat. And I think he, we, he can do that. I think we've seen him be able to do that for as much as, you know, he didn't look great in practice the other day. I mean, whatever. I think he's overall fine. I think he's 
I mean, look, Chase Daniel was terrible last year, like, like unbelievably bad, almost. Especially after <laughs> giving him all that money, I thought yeah. he was going to be like something, and he's just nothing. So, uh, for the Eagles to get that, I I have a hard time believing it won't be an upgrade. I, yeah, and I get that too. It, but I know Toronto. I'll never understand at least the past couple of years with the amount of money that they've spent on quarterbacks that then aren't. I mean, Wentz obviously changes that. And sure, there was there was a lot of other different parameters. And the, I don't want to make the context they just spend money and. And then everybody just kind of goes away here. But uh, even with Wentz here, I, I mean, like, I, I don't know. What, how important is it to have a, a decent backup here? You know, like, there's if your future's already invested in that, sure, there's going to be some injuries along the way, with, especially with Carson, who's who's already had, you know, two before he even got here. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. How important really is that? I think it's important. But the thing you got to remember, the Chase Daniel contract happened before they, they got into position to get Wentz. And he was supposed to come in here and challenge for a starter. Now, that says mm-hmm. a lot about what they, you know, uh, think about Sam Bradford. But, you know, obviously Bradford's gone. But That's going to be breakout MVP year, <laughs> Sam Bradford. Thank well, you very much. When, when you look at Foles, though, in, in the two games he had last year, you know, in which he started for, for Kansas City, I mean, I think he played solid. You know, you look at three three touchdowns, no interceptions. So 410 yards. So the guy was decent. And he is a quarterback that you could, if you have an injury, God forbid Carson Wentz goes down with injury, he could come in and, and as you guys mentioned, spell you a couple games and, and keep you in those games and, and possibly win them for you. And most importantly is the veteran mindset that he brings to the table. He's someone that coming off the field, Carson Wentz, when he makes a mistake or even when he does something well, he could go to him. Because he's definitely, hey, definitely used to making them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, 16 of them or <laughs> yeah. 14 of them to yes, be exact. exactly. But, you, you know, you could he could go to him and, and say, you know, what did you see on that play? And, and that's important in the development of and also having what I call the QB incubator. You know, not only do you have the three former QBs, but you have a veteran quarterback also that he could go to when he comes off the field and also in the, in the meeting room. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, uh, the pressure is off of him, too, so he can kind of be the uh, mentor role that everybody's somehow always starving for <laughs> In a, in a locker room there. It's like, oh, you need Chase. You need Chase to be a mentor. After year one, I mean, eh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. there's different perspectives that you could see there, but that's what coaches are for, man. I mean, there's there's 700,000 people that have played quarterback on, on the Eagles roster somehow, so I think it'll be okay here. But the other things that did impress us at OTAs, I got to tell you what, folks, that first-round pick's looking pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. I know there's not a lot of that you can take away with, you know, the physicality's not going to be there, but it's not. No contact. There is, you know, some hand jiving and, and a lot of different things there, BLG. I, I, Derek Barnett going up against Lane Johnson in a one-on-one there. Beat him, beat him a couple of times. Lane, Lane returned the favor a couple of times uh, later as well there. But, I mean, I, I think if anybody had any hesitation about Derek Barnett not being a great player initially, m- probably needs to change their tune sooner than later. That was a really good battle between him and Lane uh, in practice the other day. I remember... Uh, he won too, like how we know he wins. He he got around the edge, around lean, and he got around and he pressured Carson. And then the, he also won in a way that we didn't really, uh, we're not really used to seeing with that spin move. You know, we, that's not something like he did a ton in college. That wasn't what he was exactly known for. For so, for him to pull that out at this point already, you're feeling good about something like that because it shows you know maybe he's a little further ahead than we expected in his development. And and honestly, I think you know there's a really good path. Uh, for him to get playing time because, you know, look, Vinnie Curry, uh, we heard that talk earlier this week that I think he had said that, you know, he had played with a brace on last yeah. season. He was hurt. But still, man, he, he only played 40% of the snaps behind Connor Barwin, who was really not all that effective last year. 
And look, you know, even if uh, that was all true with Curry and everything, they still added Chris Long. They still drafted Derek Barnett. So it's not like they're clearly just banking on him to to be the guy they thought when they signed him. So I think, you know, Barnett's going to have an opportunity to come in here and play right away. And I think he can be, like, better than people expect right away. The thing I like about Barnett, and I've said it all along, is those hands. Yeah. And you're right, the spin move, I think that's a really good example of his willingness to further develop his game, you know, continuing to work to get better despite being a first-round draft pick, despite being what I will say, and you can put me on record with this. Hold on, let me get d- my pen. Despite being a better pass rusher than Miles Garrett. Oh, my God. And, think, and that's not – listen, Toronto's been saying that for the last couple of months here before they exactly. drafted him. And, and I think when you look at the hands, man, those hands that he has are, are – they're quick. You know, you could tell that, that he's really worked on that from an early point in his career and continue to work on it coming into the, the Eagles. We talked about his working with Chuck Smith, the yes. former Falcons guy, uh, defensive end who now has his own camp developing pass rushers. We talked about that on the podcast, so make sure you guys listen to that. But, yeah, I mean, those hands are really good, and that's going to help him in, in the times where, you know, you're tired and, and, and you're going against that bigger guy who is stronger than you. If you're able to keep his hands down and, and keep them off of your chest plate, that just enhances your ability to get to the quarterback to bend the way he does, to run sideways oh, yeah. the way he does. So, And then you add, that's what I'm saying, you add more of those wrinkles in right. along with that, like the just with the spin move, and yeah. then all of a sudden yeah. it's just like, well, I know what he's doing here. He's going to do that jujitsu stuff inside, and then he's going to come out, and then all of a sudden, bang, he's got you. And you put that together with his ability to be a rubber band already. Like you, I'm telling you guys, <laughs> he, might, he, he might not be starting week one, but he's going to make an impact quite early and often. I'm so excited to see him in this Jim Schwartz system. 888-729-9494. Let's go to David out there in Illinois. What's up, buddy? How's it going, guys? Good, man. How are you? Uh, <laughs> fatigued. <laughs> I've been driving from Illinois out to California for the past couple days. Holy wow, cow. And you're on the road now. That's amazing. So what uh, What brought you out to California? Uh, out to Los Angeles for the summer. Oh, nice. Okay, man. Uh, Trying to make yeah, it as, a, I mean, as an actor superstar out there or what? Well, uh, I'm not the actor. I'm the producer. So, okay, there it is. Uh, and I still yeah. don't know what a producer does. And you can you can tell me a, a million different things. It's the money guy. It's the not money guy. It's everything. So good luck to you with that. But uh, oh. what, uh, what what's on your mind Eagles-wise, bud? Uh, well, Eagles-wise, first, I, it was funny. You know, Teron was talking about the last episode about Chuck Smith. And I was like, and you guys also brought up uh, might be out there for the L.A. Rams and the L.A. Chargers games that he was playing out there and I was like oh that's cool so it's funny I'm on my way out there now but my question is you know looking at the Eagles roster and like outside of the corner situation because we're still not sure really how that's going to shake out what is going to be the Eagles Achilles heel because across the board I mean they're not outside of corner they're not bad really at any other position they're pretty solid all all the way around Um, so I'm wondering like what's going to keep them from you know, moving past the divisional round of the playoffs. Like, that to me is the big thing. What's going to hold them back? You, you know what, David? That's an, a fantastic question. We're right up against the break, and we're going to answer that right after this. It's John Barcher, Toronto Davenport, and BLG right here on BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. So David had asked us, what is going to be the Achilles heel for this team besides the quarters? We know the depth isn't there. We've got two rookies that are coming in. One's not even going to see the field this year, more than likely. Jalen Mills named the starter in OTAs along with, 
you're down 14 to nothing already, Patrick Robinson. Uh, but, you know, so that that's kind of up in the air. But I'm going to say the Achilles heel for this Eagles team to be a division contender right here on BGN Radio is the offensive tackles. I think if, and we learned that last year too. I mean, we're all banking on the fact that Jason Peters, and God, I love that guy. He's a Hall of Famer, and I think he should be celebrated more in this town. But we're really saying he's going to make it again through 16 games. And I'm very hesitant to feel that way. And I felt that way for a long time. We know that Lane Johnson is, for lack of a better word, dumb and <laughs> has got himself into trouble here a couple of times. Now, whether we can debate forever whether it was really his fault or not in the NFLPA, whatever. But still, I mean, if you take away either one of those guys, we've saw it last year. That affects everything, everything, everything. It affects your running game. And granted, they didn't ha- really have a lot of the horses that, that's there now with Garrett Blunt. I think you, you will still be okay in the middle to convert some of those things, but... I don't know. I think BLG, That's that would, would slow this team down and force them once again to not make the playoffs. I think it's kind of an underrated concern, probably an underrated need for the team, and they probably would have addressed it this year in the draft if the draft wasn't just so awful. Yeah, with <laughs> offensive line talent. For me, yeah. though, John, uh, it's it's not the offensive line. It's Carson Wentz. I mean, I think that's the whole X factor here, right? I mean, like we can talk as much as we want about Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith and Mac Hollins, Shelton Gibson and Donald Pumphrey and LeGarrette Blount and all these guys and the, the chemistry with Ertz and Matthews, and we can talk about the defensive additions. We can talk about all this stuff. It doesn't matter if Carson Wentz doesn't take the next step. And now some of these pieces should help him do that. I mean, that's part of the goal there. So uh, it's certainly a factor. But, like, if he doesn't take the next step, like, what's the point? Nothing else really matters. That's I, I'm almost <laughs> speechless at how good of a observation and, and, and point that was, man. That is an awesome point because if he's not pulling that trigger and, and getting that ball to these guys, it, it doesn't matter. Now, for me, I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the football, and it's tied into Carson Wentz, and it's tied into the offensive line, and I'm going to talk about Jason Kelsey. Now, Kelsey, I think, is, is a very – he's still a solid center, but you see some of the games – last year where that interior pressure just completely demolished Carson Wentz, his ability to to step up in the pocket and deliver the football, it caused at least three or four interceptions. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the schedule this year, you're looking at at guys like uh, Derek Wolf from the, uh, the, the Broncos. You, you got Harrison, you know, two times. You got – a bunch of guys um, that I forget his name, but from the Bears, he he really uh, oh, white uh, Cody Whitecher Gold, Goldman Eddie Goldman Goldman Eddie oh, Goldman. I'm thinking the offensive yeah. side of the ball. My bad. Eddie Goldman gave <laughs> gave him that work last year. Yeah. So so these are guys. Now, fortunately, David Irving will be out for a bit. You know, with the Cowboys. So my point is that interior pressure. I don't care if you're Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, any quarterback, they hate it. Absolutely, they hate it. So that's yeah. that. That to me could be the Achilles. If, if if Kelsey doesn't find a way to anchor down and, and keep that pressure from coming up the middle and 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 hurting uh, Carson Wentz and his ability, which is an interesting for for the Eagles on the defensive side of yes. the ball. I want to get into that in just a little bit too. But I, I'm going to say, you know, with we all assume, and Brandon, you're you're dead on here. We all just assume that Carson Wentz is going to take a humongous leap in year two. We all want that to happen. We have optimism to, to, to you know, kind of point to towards some of those things. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I don't know. Let's, I, I get nervous. Let's, I, I, be- I believe in Carson Wentz. Don't get that wrong. I really do. But there's, I mean, there's a very good chance he just is what he is right now. Maybe he never grows to there. Maybe it takes him even longer to get to where he needs to be and figure things out here. 
I think we're all assuming that Carson Wentz is going to be great in year two. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. I will say, and this is the other thing we noticed at OTAs, we didn't notice it at first, but thanks to our good friend Johnny Page, who's, again, a huge nerd just like myself, we all kind of looked at each other and be like, is that is there a different compact throw with, is, with the motion yeah, and all quicker. that stuff with Carson? And it definitely was there, and it's quicker. That's a positive sign. But just like you're saying, Teron, it won't matter if Jason Kelsey or Wisniewski or whoever is getting his head kicked in and the, that middle pressure is going there. It's still going to force interceptions. It's still going to force turnovers. Uh, so, you know, I think that could be a huge concern going into the season. 888-729-9494. Let's go to Lewis in media. Lewis, what's going on, buddy? How are you? What's going on, guys? How are you? Good, man. So, earlier you guys were talking about how Aguilar is held to a standard with, like, Evans, Beckham, and Cooper. I think a lot of wide receivers are, but yes, absolutely. Um, how do you think Barnett is, or do you think he's held to a standard with, like, Jadavian Clowney or, like, elite ends like him? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's. I think if you're a first-round pick automatically, there's already kind of a standard that you're there against. I would say in this class, this is – Derek Barnett to me is like uh, – if for lack of a kind of a better comparison, I'm going to say the OBJ of this class in terms of pass rushers. It was very deep, right? It was wow. a very deep class. There's a lot of guys that could have panned out or do – and I, listen, there could be – Jordan Willis, who was selected in the, mm-hmm. in the second or third round, could end up being a lot better than him. I, th- I think that there was a lot of – talent up there. Uh, I mean, as far as my benchmark for him, he needs to be uh, a, a contributing starter for the next, you know, six, seven, eight years on this team. That's that, And I think he can do that. Yeah, I think, I, he, I think he immediately needs to be a, a serious part of the rotation. Mm-hmm. As far as the, the Clowney comp, that's a little bit different because Clowney had those those issues, you know, with the injury, the microfracture and, and, and those things. But when you look at, at Derek Barnett, and I can't say it enough, he is the best pass rusher in this draft. And it, it's going to show over time. But that's, that's just my, the way I look at this kid in, in watching him. One Lucy, more get, thing before ahead, I go. Go for it. Go Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, we like that. Call. We appreciate it, Lewis. Let's go to uh, Chris all the way out there in Salt Lake City. What's going on, buddy? Hey, how's it going? It's good to talk to you guys again. I was just looking to uh, see what you guys thought about the offensive line depth. I know it's kind of OTAs, but what were kind of your impressions about the depth and maybe Samalu and uh, maybe him maybe swinging to tackle if, if it came to it? Some of you guys are talking about maybe Peters and in, in his injury history. Yeah, I don't I don't think Samalu would abuse that tackle um, unless it's some kind of dire emergency right. situation. You know, we saw him do that in the Ravens game last year, and they basically had to. They had, like, nothing left at that point. Big V was hurt. Lane was out. Um, they were missing so many bodies, and, and I think Matt Tobin was hurt at that point too. So they were just missing everyone. Um, From University yeah, of Iowa. course, your boy John. But uh, Samalo, <laughs> and my first impression of him, and I mentioned this on the podcast at BGN Radio this week, that man, he there was one play where he just got out in space on the screenplay, and Vinny Curry was standing there, and Samalo just went up and he just shoved him to the ground. You know, I know it's no contact and everything, but he just kind of got up there and. It wasn't like overly physical, but he kind of just, just shoved him, and I was like, "Man, he has that nastiness to him." I like Sumalo; he plays with that that grit. You know, all these these tropes you hear about interior offensive linemen, especially all that that grit and the toughness and all of that. I think he plays with the that. Danny Woodhead of offensive linemen. There you go. That's that's <laughs> what we're gonna go with from now on. <laughs> well, that's 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 awesome. I appreciate you guys. The other thing I thought too, you guys were talking about Jason Kelsey. Do you think? Yeah, you know, I think he mentioned in press conference that. It was technique, technique issues or something like that. Do you think it's technique or more of him maybe losing a step as he's getting a little bit older? 
You know, I, I don't know for sure. It's a combination of the two, honestly, because it, it, it's definitely technique, but it's just going against some of these guys who are younger and stronger. That, that's really the main thing. These guys that he's going against. And I think when you look at the Giants, they also got Dalvin Tomlinson, who is another guy that's just a, a, a vicious yeah, just... interior defensive lineman. So he's going to have his work cut out for him. But, you know, being the veteran that he is, I, I think that that he'll he'll be fine. But it's, it's going to be a challenge for sure. And just real quick for the offensive line, Dylan Gordon's a guy that you, you have to mention also because he's going to be in the mix as well. Oh, yeah. And that's just, this is he. I'm still here. Like, I don't understand what's going to happen with this. Kelsey's taking, you know, he's taking steps with the with the ones. Mm-hmm. Doug pretty much committed to him as the starter, too. right? So, yeah. so what's the deal here? You know, I, I guess it's not as trust him. I, I, no, and not only that, I'm just saying, like, if if it, you went through all this, we've we've gone through the offensive line depth thing enough. I understand that, yeah, three people could play center, but if say Amalu's playing left guard, then it then it takes up, and then you have one backup that's that's going through there. Uh, what's going to happen to Jason Kelsey here? I think they're hoping that the Teddy Bridgewater of centers happens, where there's just like some starting center. <laughs> you hear out that, there. Mike Pouncey? You stay down. Yes, basically. <laughs> I think that's honestly what they're hoping for. I think they're hoping for some team to get like super desperate at that position, and then they're not going to get a first round pick. Obviously, no. it's not that kind of deal. But it's just something where like, all right, uh, you really need a center. Well, guess what? We have like fifty of them. Give us something good for him because that it did work. How he? It, it was kind of like a miracle that it fell into his lap like that. <laughs> But, hey, it worked. And I think that's kind of – I honestly feel like that's what they're hoping for. Is it possible that they have changed their mind completely on this stuff? Because, I, you know, I I believe a lot of the things that, that came out through uh, free agency and, and everything. They was, you know, more than likely he wasn't going to be here. And then maybe they couldn't get the trade that they wanted together. The same thing with Kendricks. And they're just like, all right, well, we'll just stick with what we got and evaluate after we're kind of done here. But – is is Kelsey the opening day starter in your mind, Terrell? I think he's the opening day starter. I don't know for sure that they ever said that or even had the feeling to to move on from him, to, to be honest with you. And it's just, obviously, you know, you have the Wisniewski contract, and that's something you have to look at. He's getting paid like a starter. So you would expect him to start somewhere, whether it be center or, or left guard. But I, I think when you look at Kelsey, they, they trust him, you, you know, how much? How many times did you hear Doug Peterson say how important it was to have that guy who could make the calls along the offensive line, who could communicate with Carson so well? And obviously this whole routine, the, the whole game plan is to make things best for Carson Wentz. And I think, you know, from a mental side side of things, it's probably best to have Kelsey just because of that trust factor yeah. from the head coach and the quarterback. And I just I, I just start to wonder, it's like, okay, well, if, if that's there, and then in year three they decide to move on from him, I don't know. You'd be just kind of saving yourself from uh, from the inevitable. I guess you're just waiting a waiting Most a year fun. on it. I guess Carson gets a little more comfortable to whoever's going to be there. Wiz has been in the system, so it won't be that big of a jump. But eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four. Let's go to David in New Mexico. David, what's going on, buddy? How are you, gentlemen? How you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Well, I caught you. I caught on to you guys near the end of uh, near the end of last season, and been sticking with you guys ever since. I love your show. You guys keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate it's that. Nice Thank have, you. It's nice to have some 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 fans that actually talk sense because I hear that we're the most intelligent and most in you know in tune fan base uh, in the NFL. Fifty percent of the time, you, at least. Yeah, and then these idiots call you Cheryl from Jersey, and I don't get it. So. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't pers- don't be disrespecting New Jersey. Okay, totally disrespecting no, New Jersey. Okay. It's okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I was born and raised there, man. So I'm, I miss Germantown. I miss all of it. So, but I just wanted to ask you guys uh, on your opinion on on two of the guys that we drafted. One was Zoe Douglas, and I think a lot of people are are falling asleep on his uh, 
on his abilities because he didn't run such a, a, a fast 40. He's a physical guy. He's one of the bigger corners at about 6'2". And I think that if he gets his hands on folks, he can disrupt some time yeah, and actually and actually be effective. You don't come away with eight interceptions and not know what the hell you're doing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. David. Well, and actually, they, they I mean, they kind of threw him into the mix almost right away at, mm-hmm. at OTAs. I mean, you know, they went into their nickel package. He was CB2 on that side, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's one of the reasons why Teron and I were kind of fell in love with him through this whole kind of process here is just he has that, and it's not really like it's not an actual punch, but he's just got that quick, like, Bang, bang. And I remember Teron talking to him about, yeah, sometimes I use the, the one-arm bar, sometimes I use twos, I do all these different techniques. Riding him into the sideline is is just as good. And I think that's when we talk about press coverage and a lot of that stuff, that's where people get confused. It's not jamming. It's forcing and using the yeah. field to, and, to your advantage as well here, Teron. And, it, and, normally, and, and normally it's the folks who never played the game that will never <laughs> understand it. So it's kind of hard, though. And, but and, one and, position that's near and dear to my heart is the wide receiver position. And I cannot look at Mac Hollis and not see Christy Jones. I can't do it. I just can't. That's an interesting he plays like him. He, run, he, he plays like him. He runs like him. And I think if he gets a shot at being successful somewhere either in the slot or on the outside, I think he's one of those players that you, you – like when Brian Westbrook came onto the field and Andy Reid actually found out exactly what he had in this guy, I think – Mac is the same kind of same kind of player. I'm looking forward man, to that David, kind of I, I, for him. I hope you're right, man. We appreciate the phone call. Uh, we'll get into Mac Collins, and we'll get back in uh, to Razul Douglas because there was a lot of interesting things for some OTAs as well. John Barchard, Brandon Lee Gowden, Teron Davenport, all hanging out with you right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Hall of Famer Mac Hollins, as we should start calling him now. Forget Nate Brown. Forget Henry Josie. Forget all of them. Mac Jones, or <laughs> Mac Hollins is a clear winner. BGN Radio, John Barchard, Mr. Brandley Gant, of course, Teron Davenport from TheEaglesWire.com, all hanging out with you till 3 o'clock. Yeah, it's funny uh, that um, previous caller brought up Chris T. Jones. Mm-hmm. Because the only season that I remember him being in, it was actually the first, it was when I really, really became a diehard Eagles fan. It was during the worst, I think it was worst, uh, was it the last year of Ray Rhodes? I think that's what it was. So uh, it was a battle between Green Bay and and the Eagles. I think it was, it was one of the worst games I think I've ever seen, but it was also like my second NFL game ever. And it was uh, Brett Favre versus Ty Detmer. And I think Chris T. Jones actually had uh, a humongous catch to drive them in the field goal range to go up, and then Brett Favre drove down the field, uh, and uh, and their kicker missed it somehow on, on the last go. They ended up winning the football game, and then I that was my first the first moment where I saw a, a front row, the first row of cheeseheads just get the crap beat out of them at the vet. So I was like, okay, I think I'm in. I think I like this this whole squad that's going on. Here. But what do you see out of out of Matt Collins here, Toronto? I mean, like I. You know, I I still kind of think that the better wide receiver ended up on Dallas. I'm not going to lie. I was a big fan of Ryan Switzer. Completely different skill sets. But uh, he's been, you know, know, he looks pretty smooth out there so far. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned Ryan Switzer because you look at him and he's a slot guy. And one of the things that first uh, availability we had with the rookies, I I talked to Mac Hollins about that because out of curiosity, I wanted to see – if, if he was even entertaining the thought of, of moving into the slot, because you look at the whole thing with um, 
with, with Jordan Matthews possibly moving on, which I hope doesn't happen, but they're going to need a big body in the slot, and, and he would be the guy. He said that he, he had worked in the slot during practice, and he was working on cross-training all positions. Uh, I talked to Jesse Holly, a guy who used to play for the Cowboys. He was um, you know, a North Carolina receiver back in the day as well, and, and he told me about his red zone ability, you know, his ability to use his body and, and go up and, and make plays in the red zone. So that should definitely help. Obviously, most importantly, the special teams, you know, and uh, – <laughs> <laughs> you listen to the podcast, there's a funny story about Sue Douglas and, and, and uh, Aaron Grimes, you know, and, and Matt Collins from practice. So make sure you guys listen to that podcast. But, um, you know, I think he's going to be a good option for them. It's just you, you can't expect too much right now because he has a really uphill battle as far as getting reps because I could see them moving Alshon into the slot and using him as a power slot in addition to – Jordan Matthews. So we'll see what happens, but I think future, he could be definitely a, a contributor. And, you know, I, is that your kind of read on it too here, BLG, or where do you think he's he's going to be? How many snaps would you should you be expecting? Uh, n- not including special team snaps, but offensive snaps. Where do you think he's going to be at? I think he'll be a role player, at least to start. I mean, that's kind of what he was in college in sense of his production. Like, he wasn't a volume guy. They didn't throw to him all the time. He, he only had uh, 80 receptions in college. And what twenty of those or so, or twenty one of those were for touchdowns. Like, that's, that's pretty good. Pretty ridiculous. Averaging yeah. over like twenty two or twenty three yards per catch. He was a he was a big play guy, but he wasn't a volume guy. So I think right away that's kind of what you expect. He'll come in. He'll play special teams. I think that's how he earns more playing time. Really on offense is he comes in here. He's like, oh man, this guy's killing it on special teams. We got to give him some offensive snaps. Reward him for the work he's doing there. John, it's interesting you bring up Ryan Switzer because I don't know if like people know this offhand. I I kind of forgot about this. The Eagles picked Donnell Pumphrey one pick before the Cowboys picked Ryan Switzer there. So clearly, and then that's another option that they could like in the slot there. We've seen, I think, Daniel Jeremiah talk about that. He Mm kind of envisions Pumphrey being used in the slot there. So Makes a lot of sense. That'll be interesting to watch, too. Not only just like Holland versus Switzer there, but Pumphrey, too. And I think that can develop a, a little later on. I'm, you know, not that Pumphrey can't catch and has that ability. I think he definitely does. Just wasn't asked to do it a lot. Kind of saw that a little bit at OTAs where dropped some passes here and there, had a couple of fumbles, whatever. You don't read too much into it. But, um, yeah, I, I think as you kind of go along, that could be very interesting. And I know, Teron, you're still – that's the thing we're waiting for next week is are we ever going to see Sproles and Pumphrey on the same field at the same time this season? I think we'll see it. I mean, we saw it an awful lot in OTAs in that one day. So it's definitely a package – that they're going to work on, and that's just that's that's what you call a matchup nightmares. So I think it's going to happen. I, I've seen Pumphrey live, you know, do work out of the slot when I saw him against San Jose State. You know, he, he ran a nice post route and uh, scored a touchdown on it. So I, I think this is a guy that will come in and contribute, but then just having him, and the thing that I like that they're doing is they had him in, in a stacked uh, formation, you know, behind. I, I forget who it was that he was behind, but they had him Someone stacked. big. With someone big. Someone big. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just like, okay, pick your poison. You know, how do you want to? So it, it's going to be interesting watching. I'm looking forward to that next week. Some uh, some interesting, maybe even remnants of Chimp Kelly wrinkles going in there with with stacks and things like that as we're going in. Let's go to Joel in California. Joel, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, guys. What's up? Nothing much, man. What's on your mind? Uh, okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how, like, uh, especially out here, no one's talking about the LeGarrette Blunt signing, like, mm. at all. Like, it happened. You guys mentioned it. Like, Philly goes nuts, which is awesome. But especially, like, 
national writers, everybody just kind of, it's a little blurb and nothing. And I'm actually, I was excited about the Eagles backfield already. I'm super excited now. Yeah, I mean, so am I. And by the way, you can get your Philly Blunt t-shirts right on BGNRadio.com and the BGN Radio store. So that, thank you for that little that uh, heads was, up there. That was there. Just a little extra explaining right here. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, and you know, even guys like uh, uh, Mike Tanner had mentioned that too, where it was just going to be like, hey, I think this is really, not not just for the Eagles, but in the NFL, this could be a really significant underrated signing in free agency. And look, I'm. We've all said it before. I'm not expecting him to come out here and be 200 carries and carry the load. But sometimes he's going to be able to do that. BLG and for the most part, his skill set is what's going to make Doug Peters' aggressiveness be. You know, feel a little more comfortable when you're when you keep getting those one or two yards and keep the drive alive here. Yeah. So he fits from that perspective. And really, when I think people talk about his role, he's just really the new Ryan Matthews. Like he's. He needs a, I think he's a better Ryan Matthews because Ryan Matthews. For as talented as he is, he can't stay on the field. He gets and his neck's attached. So all that's the time. Good. His neck is attached. <laughs> uh, he fumbles a lot. Brian Matthews fumbles a lot. like Not yeah. just like a little bit, like a lot. It's a big problem. We saw it last year at the Detroit game and even did it late in the Minnesota game. It didn't matter, but still, it's like inexcusable fumble. Uh, so I think in that sense, Blunt is an upgrade. And, you know, the Eagles running back group wasn't exactly great last year, but to have him in here, it's exciting. Joel, any uh, any final thoughts here? We're just up against the break here, bud. And from um I just want to say I appreciate uh, you guys doing that Why I'm an Eagles fan post thing. It's been great to read everybody's. Thanks, uh, man. We'll get insight into that. Um, it's just it's a, it's a, it something means a lot to me, and I, uh, I appreciate seeing why other people uh, treasure it so much. So. Absolutely, buddy. Thanks for uh, checking that out, too. Yeah, the all of uh, the uh, bleedinggreennation.com, you can do your own fan post and do a lot of that fun stuff where you can just write about, like, the experiences and why you became a fan. It's why the community is is so awesome over there. And guys like Joel, who's already out there in California, we can connect and do all that stuff. So that's what we like to do here. We got more of it, including Marcus Hayes, you huge freaking douchebag. We'll get into that next. It's uh, BGN Radio, John Barcher, Teron Davenport, and Brandon Lee Gowden right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 94 WIP FM HD1 Philadelphia. From the Tasty Cake Studios, this is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Marcus, I'm coming after you, man. Sorry. Uh, just for the next couple of three minutes here. Like, there's a difference. There's a huge difference between being a contrarian opinion. I-, I-, I will never fault anybody for having that. As BLG was just saying to me off the air, you're a colonist. You have to have an opinion on something. There's nothing wrong with that. I might not agree with it. At least it's a good talking point. We can do all that stuff. But when Marcus Hayes makes crap up about Doug Peterson's mood where there's Several other reporters where where there's fans watching it on Eagles Live. We're all seeing the damn thing. And then have the gall to go out and write something like, well, well the Eagles were really upset that Carson Wentz was doing offseason programming that wasn't team-worthy. And then it blew up into PFT. And then NFL.com made it. And I'm seeing get it retweeted through, like, you know, Roto World and all that other yep. crap. Dude, just step down, honestly. that it, it, There's a difference between... Again, like I'm saying, having an opinion on something and then making something up to create a larger story to do all that. And when Philly.com 
has, you know, promotes all of this. Oh, we are very in, we're so integral and blah, 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 blah. And we, you know, oh, that's why you should support, support journalism and blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, all those newspaper guys, not all of them, but some of them, come after blogs, come after Bleeding Green Nation. Oh, you guys are a bunch of hacks. You do all this stuff. We've never, ever once done that. Never. Not to, not to grab somebody's headlines and go, yeah, we just made all this crap up and here it is. Like, that's irresponsible. It's irresponsible. And, like, I, I don't, honestly, if it was up to me, I'd move on because that's ridiculous. And, and just all the stuff that leading up to that anyway, like, I was never a huge fan of them before we even got into this business, before we were just hanging out, enjoying the information just like you and I. Marcus Hayes is garbage. And, he, and, and honestly, I, I, I lost whatever little bit of respect that I had for him this past week when you're fabricating stories about somebody's mood. It's ridiculous. I don't know. I'm sick of it, BLG. Sorry. I, I just I, I can't take it anymore. You should be sick of it. It's a lie. It's just a lie that's getting perpetuated and put out there. Literally, no. Teron, you were there. John, you weren't there because you were you were uh, outside. That's right. I was not <laughs> but there. We were sitting. Teron and I are literally sitting right next to each other. Like the basis of that story, like no one else felt that way at all. Like clearly, this is like one person's opinion, and again, being presented as fact. And there was like multiple writers who weighed in on crossing broad. Uh, credit to Kyle Scott, who did a good story, kind of debunking uh, the whole Marcus mm-hmm. Hayes thing. And there was one guy, anonymously, who said that I can tell you from people in Carson's camp that they got the sense the team was fully behind it. And further, Doug Peterson had like a quote when he was asked about this back in uh, earlier this offseason. Yeah, March at the combine. Yeah, he said he was fine, or it just helps him get better. Basically, he said he was fine with it. And then, so you have all of that. Um, It's just ridiculous. It's getting picked up. The the fake news part of it is getting picked up by Pro Football Talk, CBS Sports, Roto World. They did a segment on it on NFL.com. It's crazy (laughs) to me. Um, What was the other thing about it? Yeah. why don't you riff a little bit, John, here? I try to find <laughs> Just, it. Yeah, well, well yeah, go ahead, Tara. Let me say this. I, I've done a couple shows on uh, PST with, with Marcus, and I have a lot of respect for him. I, I just think in, in this case, what he should have done is probably presented this more as, as his viewpoint, his way of seeing things, as opposed to the way it was presented as concrete fact. I think that's really what the issue was. I would never knock another person for allowing their opinion, their their view of things to be in their article, but I will knock you for doing it as fact. And I think that's where the issue was. Yeah, and the, and the one last the thing before I get off it here is just that the fact that um, Marcus Hayes had the chance to ask Doug Peterson directly for like a 16-minute press conference if he was unhappy with Carson Wentz, and he didn't. Not at all. He, not once. he had the chance to ask him, and he didn't do it. And look, and Teron said this before, you can do that crap on the side, too. Yeah. You don't have to ask it at the press conference. You can sneak up and just be, I just wanted to clarify something real quick before I put it out there. And instead, he's just like, oh, yeah, I saw by his uh, wink, he was winking at me. So that means that <laughs> he was actually, Carson is, uh, shouldn't have been doing that, and that's that's ridiculous. Like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe I read that. It's some of the reasons why you get into OTAs and things like that. You're like, oh, my God. Just get us to the regular season again, so so these type of things don't pop up here. But um, I don't know if you have any if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, you're more than welcome to chime in. We're going to keep the Eagles train rolling as well. Eight eight seven two nine ninety four ninety four. Let's go to Jay in North Philly. Jay, what's going on, buddy? How are you? What's what's going on, guys? Listen, I just want to tell y'all about Howie real quick. I'm gonna give y'all a quick thing of how I believe Howie. 
took the league over, right? Whoa. So, so Howie, what happened with Howie was, you know, Howie got stuffed in the broom closet because of Chip Kelly. You know, they gave Chip Kelly the keys of the city. So Howie didn't take that very well. So Howie, while he was in the broom closet, he was analyzing everything around the league, right? He was analyzing habits of owners and all of that. So then Howie, he, what he did was he designed this hoodie and this mask. So what Howie did was he started catching owners and players down dark alleyways and jamming them up and saying, look, I need this, and you're going to give it to me for little to nothing, pretty much. <laughs> Stick-up so, kids, kids, so, stick up so kids this, came this out the what, task. So, so Howie, Howie, what Howie did was, even with LeGarrette Blunt, like, like he, he, he let LeGarrette Blunt stay out there. He was like, look, I know ain't nobody going to take you because I already told nobody not to touch you. So I'm going to let you sit out here, I'm going to let you sweat, and then I'm going to come grab you in and after the draft and everything, and then we got him. So you look at this, and you look at what Howie has done. Howie has made some very spectacular moves going throughout this whole offseason. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't, Jay, I don't agree with that. I don't know if he's taking over the league, though. I mean, I think well, there I are. Mean, the- as far as, like, all right, I mean, let me, let, me, let me get you, let me, let me get it to, as far as GM-wise. As far as general managers wise, he's he's the best GM out there right now. As far as oh. what he's been able to do, <laughs> I mean, what he's been able to do, you can't take that away from him. I mean, look, his, look, 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 look what he's done right now. He's he's made some really good moves. I, I'll give him credit for that. Getting Alshon at the price tag that he was able to get, very him, smart, is is definitely a good thing. You know, bringing in these guys on these deals, the one year prove it type of deals. You know, the, the move to get Timmy, Tim Jernigan, that was a, a really good thing. Now, I'm not going to say he's the best GM because there there are some guys. I mean, Bill Belichick. Look, hey, Bill Belichick. <laughs> but, hey, I mean, let's face it. What what uh, old John Lynch was able to do to the Bears, man, hey, that, man. that warrants some mention too. But Except I, for the C.J. Beathard thing. But other than that, it was good. <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah, it was bad. But I, I think what he did was set this team up to, to have future success it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out, especially for next year, because you got guys, you know, your top two receiving options outside of Zach Ertz. You know, you're looking at Alshon and Jordan Matthews. These guys are going to be fighting for, not fighting each other, but, you, you know, they're going to be positioning themselves for more and more targets. So that's something you, get like, more money. Hey, you brewed competition. There's no getting around that. That competition in that facility is going to be at an all-time high so I think that's what he did really well. Yeah, and it, it does a couple of different things, too. It allows guys like Gibson and Hollins to kind of, you know, just like you were saying, BLG, be more of those role players that kind of come into their first year, which a lot of the times, and really it's true of any position, but especially at a wide receiver, you're expected to play right away. You're expected to go in there and do the thing, and it's nice to kind of have that, you know, little buffer zone going through there. But I don't, I mean, I know you definitely don't think that, Howie Roseman's that high yet. There are still a lot of cap issues here because of bad signings. We could theorize that and be like, well, Jeffrey Laurie was kind of involved in some of those too. And sure, there's the whole take my team back thing. It's a wild time in the past three years in this front office. But I would say that Howie's climbing out of the cellar for a lot of the people that thought, you know, this guy's never going to have it. Oh, yeah. There's no question he's had an encouraging offseason, I would say, overall. But when you're grading Howie Roseman's whole body of work, I would say the word is ordinary. And I'm stealing that from... Uh, Roto World, who kind of did a general manager rankings earlier this offseason. They had Harry Roseman 21 out of uh, 29 returning executives. Here's the thing about uh, Harry Roseman's whole body of work. The Eagles are 56 and 56 with two first-round postseason exits, so no playoff win since he's been GM. Is mm-hmm. that, like, best in the league? No. Is it the worst in the league? Not exactly. I just think he's kind of been in the middle. I think he's had an encouraging 
showing this offseason and moving forward. But again, like I was saying earlier, when it comes down to the Eagles' Achilles heel this offseason and all, or this season rather, and all of that, the Wentz is the make or break. The Wentz, Wentz's development is the make or break factor for him. He can do all these moves. He can get LeGarrette Blunt, and it could be a master yeah. stroke signing. Doesn't matter if Carson Wentz doesn't take the next step. That's right, and that's why it's. I mean, it's it's so important. It's not only just for the team; it's for him too. I mean, if if Wentz somehow doesn't pan out, then you got to start to seriously question a lot of different things. And the things that happened past Carson Wentz were going to have to be completely immaculate here regarding a lot of that going on. I'll probably say he's one of the best traders in the league. Oh yeah, no, I think he always comes out. He's the Danny Ainge of the NFL when it comes to never losing a trade, but. Uh, there's still a long way to go. Oh, and the cap. Yeah, absolutely. Even though, even though it's tight, there's still a ways around that. I want to get into that too, especially with, uh, Jeffrey and his situation moving forward. And a lot of these one year deals, let's go to Rob in Wilmington first. Rob, what's going on, buddy? Hey fellas, Rob from Wilmington calling again. Thanks Uh, buddy. Yeah. First of all, I want to say thanks for standing up for journalism. I really appreciate you guys talking about like true journalism opinion versus fact and all this fake news stuff, um, with the Philly.com stuff. But, um, what I wanted to ask you guys was, all things being equal, having Carson Wentz as quarterback, would you rather have the what is it, 2009 Chip Kelly team with Deshaun and Macklin and, and Deshaun mm. McCoy or this talent group? Also, happy to see Teron on the air, put it in the review and said more Teron. Glad to see you guys listening. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> man. We'll always try. We'll always try to get Teron in the rotation here. I think, man, that's a, that's a pretty good question. Uh, I, I'll say, I'll probably still say 2009 squad and uh, by a pretty pretty good margin there if you can give me rookie rookie legs of LaShawn and you can give me Macklin and you can give me Jackson here I think I think with Carson West throwing to those guys it would be a lot more entertaining that's for sure I don't know Tarani you feel the same way I definitely feel that way and just having you know LaShawn McCoy and and his ability to make people miss and look silly I think that's something you have to factor in and then just Deshaun Jackson's ball skills number one and then in addition to that the speed I mean that's that's a rare weapon yeah. so having that 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 would Definitely help help him, and that's going to open things up underneath. So yeah, I go with them. And maybe he has he's got like the the B plus or C plus version of that with you know a speedy Tory Smith on the side and things like that. I don't know. What do you think, BL? Do that's you think uh, a little more a little more optimism towards this draft class, or do you think you would still take the two thousand nine guys? Uh, I'm taking those guys. I think uh, this class has some nice potential. I don't know if any of these guys are really going to be stars, though. I don't think like we're looking at Matt Collins and thinking he could be. I mean, maybe he could be. A, I mean, I just don't. I don't think that projection is as likely. Where you know you saw uh, Lestrade McCoy and he was a second round pick, and a lot of people thought Deshaun Jackson was going to be a first round pick, and he fell. And mm-hmm. you know, these guys were like clearly talented. You know, like Shelton Gibson fell to the fifth round for a reason, and <laughs> some yeah. of those drops that we've seen in the practice. Kind of telling, yeah, and that's yeah. that was the only thing that I was kind of taken back by. I think from OTAs was like, oh man, this it's it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a while, maybe. But uh, well, you don't think so, Trump? I, I wasn't really concerned about those drops, you know. And it's just a matter of understanding what what that man's going through. He, he's his responsibilities are, are being expanded tremendously. And then in addition to that, you know, he's learning a new playbook. He's learning many more routes. So what you're seeing is a guy who. His game is based off of speed, and he's not able to play up to his fastest ability because everything is so busy processing. It's like having Norton, you know, back in the day on on your computer. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's protecting your computer, <laughs> but it's slowing how how quickly a web page will pop up, and just the same for him. Uh, all right, let's go to Len in uh, Swedesboro. Len, what's going on, buddy? Good to hear from you. Hey, what's- 
Hey man, what's up? What's up? Like, when much, I heard Tyron was on, I had to I had to call. Of course he, he doesn't answer it. my tweets anymore, so I should have to call. Oh, him. stop that, man! You tweet me right now, I will answer it. Cut that out, man. I try to answer nah. everyone. Lenny, oh, okay. you got you got uh, wide receivers on your mind too, bud? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I want to talk about uh, Aguilar and Rasul Douglas. So I'll get to Rasul Douglas first. Um, I want them to start him because I want him to take his lumps this year because we think we're going to plug in Sidney Jones next year, and I don't want two rookies. Or two young guys having to learn a position. Well, I think, you, I think at, that's a pretty safe bet. I don't know anybody else yeah. that's going to be playing. I mean, I sorry, all due respect to Patrick Robinson, but still, yes, mm-hmm. I, I think that's going to happen rather quickly. Okay, okay. In terms of Aguilar, I'm, I'm really pulling for him. I, I've been bashing him and bashing him because I, I had a lot of expectations for him coming out of USC. Because to me, he, he fits so his athletic gifts fit, fit in that slot position because mm-hmm. he's kind of a quick twitch type guy as opposed to Jordan Matthews, who's a great guy, but I just don't think he's a fit for the slot position, you know, regardless of what success he's had so far. So I'm hoping that Aguilar can, the light comes on, he can win that position. Yeah, Lem, we'll, we'll get into that too. I, I'm curious, what what do you think they should do with Jordan Matthews? Uh, you want him back after this year? I was hoping they want to trade him at, at draft time. Honestly, I was hoping we can try to get something for him. Like I said, great guy, but I just think I don't, I'm not going to give him a max contract or anything like that, you know, but yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he's going to come close to that either. But I. No. I, I don't know. Yeah, BLG. I mean, we've kind of gone back and forth with this a lot of the time here. Uh, and Len, we appreciate it, buddy. We miss you, yeah. and uh, we'll yeah. definitely be answering all your tweets. So, uh, I, it, I, I think it's. Again, it really depends on Hagler, and it <laughs> depends on Hollins, and it depends on a lot of those guys. You know, like it, with what they're going to end up doing with Jordan. I don't think that he is. I don't think he's going to be here after next year. I really don't. I don't think he is either. I think uh, you know we've heard some of these trade rumors. I don't think that's the case of the Eagles wanting to ship him out at all costs. I don't think that's the case at all. But you look at the Timmy Jernigan trade, and, the, and from the perspective of the Ravens, Timmy Jernigan was going to be a free agent next year. They wanted to get something for him while they can because they knew they weren't going to resign him. I think the Jordan Matthews situation is the same thing. The Eagles have 18 free agents next year, 18. And some of those are key guys. It's Alshon. It's Jernigan. And I think those guys are going to be higher priority than signing a slot receiver to a bigger deal. And look, you know, I know Jordan Matthews is a nice player. I'm not trying to say like Jordan Matthews is a bad player by any means, but I think the the money he's going to get isn't going to line up with what he's worth to the Eagles in the long run. And when I say that is because Jordan Matthews has put up some big numbers in these past, you know, three years, four years, how long he's been in the NFL. But there's a there's a problem with some of these numbers, and the part of the problem is a lot of them have been acquired in garbage time. Now, you can debate, like, garbage time, like, you know, it's subjective, but to a certain extent, I went through and looked at it, and I think, like, nine of his 19 touchdowns were, like, obvious situations where the Eagles are just out of the game. And you you watch it. You see it. The Eagles get down in a blowout, and Jordan Matthews kind of starts to have a yeah, big game. Yeah, that Arizona Cardinals game from a few years back. I don't want yeah. to pay a guy when a lot of his production is being – so they're going to come to the table with those numbers. That's the thing. They're going to come to the negotiation table and be like, look, Jordan Matthews has all these numbers. And I'm kind of – if I was there, I'd be like, well, yeah, look, like a lot of these were acquired in garbage time. At least I went through the percentages. It's like 25% of the yards, 25% of the catches, and almost 50% of the touchdowns. So I can't sit there and be like – you know, uh, we we can just give you a blank check because we have all these other guys to pay. So I don't think it's going to happen. If, if I was Howie Roseman, I would have a sign behind my desk saying "stats" or "like the all king." Right. No, there they it is. They show everything. <laughs> they show a lot, but not everything. And as soon as they present those stats, I would turn around and point to it. Now, here's the thing, though. Let's just say, let's just say Jordan Matthews has a better year than Alshon Jeffrey. Then what do you do? 
Wow. Right, that's that's you yeah. have to look because everybody's <laughs> yeah. just assuming that Alshon Jeffrey is going to come in. And Ooh, now, yeah. now, granted, Alshon proved me wrong once. He he's one of the draft prospects I missed on. I did not think that he was going to come into the league and do what he did. And I'm not I'm not doubting Alshon. I'm just saying let's just say. Jordan Matthews has a better season than what? Statistically, so, yeah, like if he has, if Jordan's like at a, a thousand and just, Jeffrey's just at nine hundred or whatever. Impact wise yeah. and everything, let's just say. So I, I think that's something you have to look at. It, it's no one knows how that's going to work out. It's going to be very interesting to see how that whole thing works out. But then you also have to look at the fact they didn't draft. Uh, I mean, yeah, Mac Hollins could come aside and play the slot, and yeah, Nelson can play the slot. And, and and Len made a, a great. I don't I don't think Pumphrey is specifically a slot guy. You know, for me, if they were looking to get a slot guy specifically, they would have signed a Trent Taylor out of Louisiana Tech, the uh, the undrafted free agent. They mm-hmm. would have drafted a Ryan Switzer. But I, I think Pumphrey is just going to kind of be a do-it-all. But, you know, I, I think you have to look at everything with that. And I, I don't think it's a guarantee that Jordan Matthews is gone. Uh, yeah, and it's not. It's definitely not a guarantee, again, because everything's kind of hanging up in the air. It really depends on performance and a lot of that. It's easily – they can easily move on from Torrey Smith. They can easily move on from a bunch of these different guys here. But it just in terms of, I mean, he's just a guy. He's just a guy. Here's what I want to ask you, and we'll get into it after the break. What does Jordan Matthews do well? What's the first thing that pops in your head? It's like, Jordan Matthews does this. I'll tell you. We'll have your answers at 888-729-9494. It is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. So we were asking you, what does Jordan Matthews do really well? But before we get into that, some news that just uh, came across about an hour ago. The Eagles have restructured Rodney McLeod's contract. So $3.2 million of his base salary converts into a bonus. And that actually saves them $2.4 million. So uh, that gives them a little room. Again, we were just talking about how he kind of does all that cap stuff. Well, there's a perfect example of that, but BLG, you know, I, I know that we've been asking this question back and forth here, and we'll get to your phone calls in just a little bit too. Eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four. What does Jordan Matthews do well? I don't know. What's his thing? That's why I asked on Twitter this week. I got a bunch of responses. We got to go to Teron here. Teron, what does He's he do well? This is what he does well, and, and when you look at him, he's a very reliable receiver work in the middle of the field. Is he, He's though? a guy that is he reliable? Work the seam routes. He's I'm yeah, you have your drops. But if you you look at a lot of the times and especially for Carson Wentz cuz if you ask Carson he'll tell you that Jordan is is well maybe not now, you know, with Alshon and some of the other guys, but he he last year I know he always said that you know one of his guy, one of the guys he likes to go to was Jordan Matthews and especially in those clutch oh, situations. Had to. There's no one else there. Well, I mean, I think Zach Ertz is a legitimate target. I think uh Darren Sproles is a legitimate target out of the backfield also. So I mean, there were other options, but my whole thing with with Jordan Matthews, I mean, look, receivers come in all different types of uh, uh sizes, shapes and 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 ability. And for Jordan Matthews, he's that guy that you go to in a clutch situation, you need a catch in a, in a third and four. You know, you you need a catch in a third and seven. You rely on him to be able to use his big body to get in position. He's tough. He has a thorough understanding of the passing game. He could he could find the windows for the quarterback. And I, I just I, I know that there's a great deal of respect that Carson Wentz has for Jordan Matthews. Right. Absolutely. And, and I know that you know when when the stuff hits the fan, 
Jordan Matthews is a guy that Carson is looking to first. Well, that's a huge factor in this thing, too. I mean, you don't want to piss off your franchise or a potential franchise quarterback, right? I mean, like, you would want that. You would want him to keep him around at least at least for that. He probably I don't know what type of relationship he has with Nelson or anyone else of these guys. But, I mean, like, they have a – they got the routine down, man. I mean, they got the fake tie. Let's just do business and, and go and do this thing. I think once uh, – and I too, I would say to that point, I, the, the first three or four games – he was very reliable. I mean, like, we all remember that Cleveland Browns game when he initially first started, and Carson throws an absolute bullet in between, you know, two defenders that probably should have, should have done something, and, and Matthew was there to do it. Now, to BLG's point, though, it's not, it doesn't continue on throughout the season to do that. There are lapses Washington where it's just game, like... game can't drag his foot. Yeah. That, they win that game if he makes that. It's a routine for a huge NFL deal. receiver. It seems like kind of a... I'm not gonna say it's routine to me, but you know, for him, <laughs> this is the the first, the first, first, one? second Washington game in Philadelphia. He couldn't drag his okay, feet, yeah, and he had a lot of space, and he just and that's not something do he does regularly. Honestly, I don't think like we see him toe tapping a lot. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, well, you see him working on the inside a lot. You yeah, know, so you're not gonna toe tap as much. But right. I mean, I could come back with the the Packers game. You know, it, it's it's third and long inside the uh, the twenty. You know, and, and this was after. This was right. I think this was when he hurt his ankle. Okay. But he's lined up on the outside, which everybody says he can't play on the outside. Carson looks to him. They they convert to a, a different route, you know, to fade, and, and they get that first down. He makes Was this catch. when the uh, Eagles were out of the game? Was this the uh, garbage time here or no? I don't, I don't know that it was they were garbage <laughs> they were time. Definitely... I'm, I'm kind of just teasing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I know. I know what, what, what you're saying. But, yeah. I mean, my whole thing is, and, and maybe maybe I'm just, I'm just over – valuing Jordan Matthews. Maybe that's the case, but I just, when I look at him, I see a receiver that's reliable. And again, I, I know the, the catches, you have to, you have to, have to uh, get Make better at that. Oh, you yeah, have to yeah. get better Some to drop. Some of them are so you bad. Know? They're yeah. just so, so bad. And yeah. I don't even know, I, it's just like you can do, you can, I don't know, I think catching is definitely, you're, it's, you got it or you don't. Like shooting mm-hmm. and then being kind of the most part. You can yeah. develop as a pass catcher. You definitely can, and you can get better at it, but I mean, if you're, there's, there's no way to not figure out how to not drop a ball. Sorry for all the double negatives in there. But, like, it's just you can spend all the time. You can spend all the time in the world there's, on jugs machines and things like that. Sure, you get repetition, muscle memory. There's all that. It improves. But, you know, you're still going to have those blimps and, and, and things like that to kind of go along there. And, and I'm not trying to say that yeah, Jordan Matthews has been a reliable part of this team, which has been a chaos. But at the same time, what's the price tag then for yeah. being that type of well, and reliable thing? I think that's thing. what they have to right. figure out. Yeah. Let's go to uh, Max, who's been waiting patiently. And Allentown, Max, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. You know, I take umbrage sometimes uh, with Eagles fans, you know, getting overzealous <laughs> with this Howie Roseman phenomenon. <laughs> I mean, this guy was ranked 31st by the Sporting News and, and of all well, the I mean, the first of the Sporting News can, you know, but well, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Well, throughout the NFL, this guy isn't really respected. And, and why should he be? He's a lawyer. He doesn't have any football experience, and he's a GM. Um, you know, it, it just. It's pretty it, good GM for a lawyer, though, bud. I, gotta, I mean, like, you can't, you can't just, like, throw on. it all away. Eight, Listen, guys, the stats speak for themselves. 48 and 48 over his tenure, no playoff wins. I could step in and do a better job than that, okay? Nice. Just put it in realistic terms here. Now, Max, every, send us your resume, all the signing he makes. Now, look, two years ago, you know, uh, Philly.com had a, had a story about this, how, how he had the two worst signings in free agency last year. Vinny Curry and um, the quarterback, the backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I just forget his name. Chase Daniel. Yeah. So those are bad contracts. 
okay? That was supposed to be his specialty. We know he's not a, a player evaluation guy, but he's a contract guy. And those contracts suck. They're terrible. I mean, they're not they're, the worst. Yeah, they, they do suck, but they're not the worst things in the world here, too. I mean, like, if Vinny doesn't really come out of, of, of this at all this season, you can move on from him. If but Zach Ertz doesn't do that either, you can move on from him. Zach Ertz is another one that's a little overrated. Howie was bidding against himself. Okay, there wasn't any other suitors that he needed to put those contracts out in, in such high regard for. Okay, that's a problem. Well, Max, because- you gotta you got to understand there, too, and I appreciate the call, buddy. I, I think there's – again, I think Jeffrey Lurie had a lot of influence on a lot of that stuff and what they're coming out from. So we all remember that stupid 53 Angry Men T-shirt thing yeah. when they're, you know, they're playing the Patriots and they're doing all that stuff. And, and Jeffrey Lurie was probably leaned on – Guys like Vinny Curry and Connor Barwin and Zach Ertz and wanted to take care of them because he felt, well, this team is going to be lost without him. We need to sign these guys and you got to make it happen. Sure. I mean, like, it does that now. Does that excuse Howie Roseman for going, okay, okay, Jeffrey, we'll do that. But we're not in that position either. I don't really know. And you can see that other outside of those things with these current contracts that they have there, even good or bad, they're still good contracts. You can move on from them or you can figure out what's happening after the season, I, I get it in in the the larger perspective of this thing. I don't think he's a fantastic GM. I think that, and, and trust me, if you listen to us at any point in time, like, good <laughs> Lord, we've gone overboard sometimes with the criticism of Howie Roseman. But for the time being, I mean, you can't really say that, like, okay, whatever this direction goes, and if he sits there and stays in his lane, and Joe Douglas does the same thing and stays in his lane, then potentially that could be a really nice relationship moving forward on the overall things, no, I don't have any. I don't have any faith in in Howie Roseman long term. Nor I, I think should really anybody. But you also have to give credit where credits due here. I mean, you just gotta, you know, the, these are the moves that were made are, are good. And look, I get it. I completely get it. As an Eagles fans, as now an analysts, as whatever, we look at off seasons every single year and go, oh man. That's really good. This signing is really good. That's great. This is awesome. And then what happens when the regular season comes? It doesn't freaking matter because it's not good enough. The problem is the shift. We're we're stuck in we're stuck in trying to get out from 2013. That's where we're at. You know, because where the front office was, how many changes it's gone through, even back from then, you can go back to 2011. Is 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 this all the shuffling came out? There's been no continuity there either. So I'm willing to just wait and see what happens here. But I'm listen. We're all skeptical here. No one's no one's grounding it. I, unlike Jay, who's uh, you know say he's taking over the world here. I don't I don't think that's happening either. Let's go to Brian in Middletown. Brian, what's going on, buddy? Hey, hey guys, I'm really uh, enjoying your show. I'm Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Brian. Um, you know, sometimes I don't know whether I'm listening to sports or a highly polarized political analysis because you know you really like the guy, you extol everything that's positive, you ignore everything that's negative. If you don't like the guy, then all you do is kind of find the warts. And you ignore all the positives, and and, and that to me that's sort of related to Howie Roseman because there's a lot of Howie hate in this region, a lot of jealousy. I think uh, the whole idea he's not a football guy that's old, that's stupid. All right, he's been in, in this league for many years now. Okay, but my focus is dealing with Jordan Matthews. I don't understand why you would tear down a player that we drafted. He was drafted, mm-hmm. and he's produced. You, you know how difficult it is to actually draft players who actually can produce. You know, at a respectable level, at the NFL level, I mean, most draft uh, choices fail. To me, Jordan Matthews is a productive player. He uses his body well. He's smart. 
I mean, I don't understand where you're trying to. And he works really Nelson hard at. too. Yeah, and he that's, works extremely hard. No one expected him to be an elite wide receiver. All right, he's been very. But you might have to pay him like one. That's the problem, you know, Brian. That's my whole know, point. But, but we don't know that. Uh, we don't right? know. I'm not that's, saying I do yeah. know that, but I'm saying that's possible. That, that it could come down to a situation where. You look, the Eagles have the lowest amount of cap space in the NFL next year, and they have 18 free agents. And two of those guys are Timmy Jernigan and Alshon. And I'm not trying to say Jordan Matthews sucks. That's not my argument. I'm just saying right. you might well, not be able to pay him. Well, I, and I, if that is the case, then if he tries to ask for too much, then you make a decision. But the whole idea, you're, you're going to have to pay. All right. You're not going to get these guys dirt cheap. I mean, it seems like mm. you want to get guys dirt cheap. My no, it's just it's, it's just there's going to be better talent, and you and they're probably going to demand more. Like again, well, in my and just Brian, this is what I'm saying. Jeffrey's in my mind, even though like maybe it's a bad thing to think. I think he's going to ball out this year. I think he's going to have you know a thousand to twelve hundred yards. I think he's going to have seven to eight touchdowns. And guess what? He's he's going to want Antonio Brown money. And if Jernigan does the same thing, and you well, have Fletcher Cox and those guys going on. He's going to want real money. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, though, because we're saying we this team may not be able to afford Jordan Matthews. What happens if Jeffrey does that? Do you pay Alshon Jeffrey the same amount of money you pay? Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. You, you, you would, you would yes. pay Alshon Jeffrey the same amount of money you pay yeah. Antonio Brown? Well, Absolutely. I don't know if that's it. But oh, no. if you, well, if you, so if you pay him, you in the first one. place then. You brought him in to be the guy. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. You're contradicting yourself. Because one hand, you guys says, uh, "Well, Jordan Matthews only nine of his 19 touchdowns were in garbage time, but I meant uh, 10 out of his 19 were actually in the productive time." Alshon Jeffrey, excuse me, when did he produce for a playoff bound team? <laughs> Chicago, uh, man, it's Chicago. Well, that, that's the point, then. So you're going to make the excuse that he's part of a bad team, so therefore his stats are good. And then you look at Jordan Matthews, you're going to say, well, it's you know, not about being a bad go. team. It's about like being down like 40 points in the fourth quarter. And then like all of a sudden, like you, you look at the point and that uh, you look at Jordan Matthews stat line at that point in the game. And he has like one reception for like nine yards. And then he finishes the game with like five receptions for a hundred yards and like a touchdown. It's like, well, it's not like really in that's not the true indication of how he performed in that game when it really mattered. And we don't know exactly. We don't know exactly when Alshon got all those stats either offhand. Right. But mm-hmm. just just based on memory alone, I don't remember him scoring a ton of touchdowns in garbage time unless you have something there to No, no, I just wanted to to just outside of stats and, and when we're talking about the impact that a player has. You know, I, I I talked about just just the way he is a guy that Carson Wentz looks up to. Now, in addition to being a, 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 a player that, that your quarterback looks up to and admires and respects gratefully, he's a guy that the other players on the team mm-hmm. respect gratefully also. And just to tell you a quick story, I remember at the Senior Bowl. Actually, Teron, I want to hear that story right after the All break. Right. <laughs> John Barcher, Teron Davenport, BLG, all with you on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. <laughs> Just about to wrap things up here on uh, BGN Radio. John Barchard, Brandon Gowton, Teron Davenport from EaglesWire.com. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday afternoon here on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we got leading off. I'll stick with you coming up in just a little bit as the Phillies are uh, are trying to get out of that hole, man. I, <laughs> it's, a, it's really deep and it's really far, but hopefully we can get through it together. Let's go to Dennis in Springfield who's been waiting patiently. Dennis, what's going on today, buddy? How are you? Uh, good afternoon, fellas, and happy Memorial Day to you. Uh, I, I don't think Jordan Matthews should be rewarded for being the best of a bad bunch. 
That's where I kind of come from too. He's basically the tall, but he's the tallest midget in the circus, <laughs> and uh, and I don't think he should get rewarded for that. We we had a guy in this town years ago that was the best player on a bad team, and he got rewarded, and and he then got nothing but criticism after that, and that was uh, Andre Iguodala. Oh yeah, he that's, could, a, that's he, a, he, he could never live up to the money or, or only, the only NBA Finals MVP. But listen, yeah. listen, but not with us. Yeah, exactly. You know what's funny about that, Dennis, is like I I don't understand everyone's obsession with like loving loving Iggy. Well, even when he was here and then afterwards when I was like, Oh, yep, this is why I miss him. Man, he was a he was a and, and the thing with the Eagles <laughs> a is, word I can't say. I mean, I, I think you know, I'm not a talent evaluator. I all I know is what I watch and what I see for you know, watching football for thirty, thirty five years or whatever. But there's a guy on this team now that I think has the best hands on the team. And runs the best routes, who would be a perfect slot receiver, and that's Trey Burton. Trey Burton, huh? Trey Burton has this. I don't know if he's. Yeah, it's a. It's a good point, Dennis. But I. I don't know if Trey Burton's quick enough at all to kind of do that. I, you know, he's. He's a nice. Uh, I mean, he can get into the slot if you're in like a, a five watt scenario or something like that, and you want to do something a little different. But um, Trey's more of the Swiss Army knife between yeah. in the backfield. You there. could use him a lot like Jordan Reed, like that type of. Yeah, I, I see what the caller's saying. You know, but. Work ethic. I think that's the thing. Quick story, Matthews. You know, I wanted to interview him after practice at the Senior Bowl a couple mm-hmm. of years. He made me wait 15 minutes. Why? Because he wanted to stay after practice and catch passes from Derek Carr in preparation for the Senior Bowl. Because he was, uh, well, yeah, that would have been a that would have been an interesting matchup in Oakland if he ended up ended up there with uh, Mari Cooper. And it, yeah, see, that's what I mean. I don't know when when it comes to that. And you know, to a couple of callers ago, making those different points. Yeah, sure. I, I think he could. Could he be more effective if he's not the guy? Yes, but that again is going to drop his productivity and his snaps down, and and a lot of that. So it just kind of it, and they're gonna just like you were saying, BLG, like him and his agent are gonna come and be like, well, look at the numbers that they put up. It's like, yeah, but and and that's when you're kind of stuck in there. And again, this is basing it all on they will actually have success in the wide receiving core. Maybe they don't. Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing to me. I think the perceived value coming from Matthew's side is going to be a lot higher than what the Eagles uh, will value him at. And even if they do value him at that, again, I just don't think it's going to come down to where the where they can keep him. I think Alshon's going to have at least a good year. Like, I really do. At least a good year, at least some kind of year where it's going to be obvious that you need to pay him. Um, and even if he doesn't, well, I'm not going to go there. That's really bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, don't talk but, about but the Jernigan bad too. I think Jernigan, um, I think he could have a big year, and then yeah. you have to pay him. And then there's some other guys. I don't have them offhand, but there's 18. There's 18 free agents. There's, a lot of guys. They're not going to be like – it's not like all-stars like that level, but there's going to be some depth guys like Burton. You just brought up Burton. Burton's going to be mm-hmm. a free agent next year. Can you yeah. keep him? Like And and Selleck's getting older. So, like, there's a lot of – there's going to be a lot of decisions to be made after this year, and it's kind of funny we're already talking about that because sometimes I don't want to because I want to, I just want to focus on this year and I want to see how they do this year. But that's how it is. Yeah, and and, and uh, I can't remember. I think Burton actually said to us that none of that was guaranteed anyway. Even the tender that he signed was it, so he can Yikes. he can kind of go at any point in time. He that's another guy that might not even be here when the season starts, depending on how things kind of pan out. I still think he will because he's cheap yeah. and he's a great weapon in case one of those other guys go down. But yeah, I you know you know bring up. Bring up Jernigan, and I, you know, I'm still kind of back and forth in Toronto. You saw him down in in Baltimore, and and now we're kind of seeing that, getting our first glimpse of it now. And I'm I'm a little more excited than I <laughs> than I once was. Like you start to understand it and go to that, and yeah, like I I think he could could have a, a really big year in, in in playing into this 
you know, right right next to Fletcher Cox and and providing a lot of that middle pressure that they've been kind of seeking here. Yeah, and then the thing you always have to consider is just, all right, there's a lot of money already invested on the defensive line. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, definitely Jernigan, he brings a lot, and you know what he has in him, that DOG. And he definitely, <laughs> you know, is a guy that will get that interior pressure, which is so important. Absolutely. So we'll keep uh, the conversation going on uh, bleedinggreennation.com, also bgnradio.com. Uh, whether you are, you know, searching for things on SoundCloud or iTunes, Stitcher, tune in. We're all in the in those facilities there as uh, as well. Uh, just uh, real quick, BLJ, do you have any uh, any any parting thoughts as we're going out here? Speaking of that uh, defensive line thing, Teron, you were talking about earlier the biggest thing with Carson Wentz that interior pressure getting mm-hmm. that from Jason Kelsey. That's why I think Timmy Jernigan and Fletcher Cox are going to be so critical this season. Absolutely, they are. Great yeah, point. yeah, big big time. And there's just uh, you know I, I I don't know, Teron, what is what's kind of the the lessons to take out of OTAs from this week, what are you looking forward to uh, heading into next week here? This week, I'm looking forward to seeing Rasul Douglas in that secondary rotation. I want to see the ball distrib- distribution between the receivers. I want to see Matthews, Jeffrey, you know, Nelson, all the guys, you know, Torrey. I want to see that. And also, I want to see more and more and more and more of Danelle Pumphrey <laughs> and Darren Sproles on the field yes. at the same time. DJ DJ Pumphrey, that's as, right, uh, as we like to call him around here. But uh, yeah, and, and the same for me too. I'm really excited to finally see some one on ones. I really do want to see Mac Collins kind of take some of those guys on. I want to see, you know, I want to see if if I'm completely wrong about Patrick Robertson as well. So uh, keep it tuned in. We'll have all uh, OTE updates. We'll have a, a bunch of other different stuff as well. I am John Barchard for Mr. Brandon Gowden. And, of course, Teron Davenport. This has been BGN Radio right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP.